Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And welcome to Pattern Portraits, an artwork and podcast by me, Lauren Godfrey. Each episode, I speak with a fellow pattern lover in the creative industries about their relationship to pattern and colour and how surrounding themselves with pattern serves as a kind of armour. Each guest has selected some textiles special to them, which we will discuss using the patterns to delve into their stories. I've also created an accompanying artwork, an abstract pattern portrait of the sitter through their patterns made from jasmineite inlaid with perspex and brass, and a resulting print will be available to purchase. There'll be an exhibition of all the artworks, and the prints are available on my website, laurengodfrey.co.uk. Follow Lauren Godfrey Studio and Pattern Portraits Podcast on Instagram to stay in the loop. Today I'm speaking with Rosie Nicholas, an illustrator, accessory and prop maker and author of Dress You Up, a book of DIY wearable fashion accessories. Rosie has extensive experience of making patterns herself, having done brand collaborations with Jigsaw, Estee Lauder, Vans and Lazy Oaf, as well as making an epic Grace Jones and Keith Haring inspired mural for the now closed Ace Hotel in London. Rosie and I got to know each other through strange circumstances when my partner Alex Brenchley was diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2021. A friend put us in touch with Rosie, who's recently had treatment for bowel cancer too. She's been a tremendous source of support and comfort for us, and Alex and Rosie have formed a strong bond through their shared experiences. Welcome, Rosie, to Pattern Portraits, and thank you for being part of the project. Thank you very much. It's really nice to have you here, and it was such a joy to explore your patterns and uh, kind of 
delve into your world through those patterns. Can you tell me a bit about what pattern and colour means to you? I don't think I'd thought about that too much, actually, before you uh, asked me to do this. So it's been interesting for me. I think probably um, it's to do with uh, my childhood, being born in the 80s, loved television, was allowed to watch, you know, telly and films and had um, parents who had been at art school who uh, really encouraged like a knowledge of like that sort of like pop culture. My childhood was running in from high school and putting MTV on and watching nonstop like music videos. Mm. So 80s and 90s were my two sort of favourite decades, remain my favourite decades probably for really everything, Mm. art, fashion, uh, music, a bit boring in a way. I just sort of stuck with what I was born into and those things have informed my love of colour and of pattern, I guess. I similarly have an obsession with the 80s and 90s and the kind of Saved by the Bell aesthetic. What videos were you watching that kind of um, had pattern? I get well, I guess yeah, and... telly, yeah, telly like say by the bell. I guess it was um, top of the pops. So you got all those amazing like eighties graphics. You know when the theme tune comes in and everything sort of slides in and out. Uh, big breakfast, uh, uh, everything that you were watching probably. Um, I'm trying to think of things with like those sorts of graphics. Then I suppose it was like all the classic big guys like it was Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, probably my main three. Mm. Uh, growing up that we got all the albums and we listened to together me and my brothers and my dad had a really good vinyl collection in the front room and we would listen to all of his records which are also probably mostly he had you know 60s 70s as well but um we'd put all the 80s records that he was buying on and he'd get all like the big albums for us and we'd listen to them and dance around and I can vividly remember um being in my Garfield roller skates uh, with my Walkman on with like a now what would it have been I had a lot of the now the now tapes the tape in the Walkman clipped to my like belt and I would go I, we were very lucky that I had a um, <laughs> uh, tiled sort of hallway so I could get like one or two pushes on the roller skates and do the a distance. sort and do a do a turn do a like a UE at the end with the feet sort of out and then go back two more pushes and then UE round and do like a I want so, to like, know more about the Garfield roller skates. I've still got they, them. Have you? Yeah, I've got them. Yeah, I should have. Maybe I should have. It's quite a good paw print. It's black. It's white. They're white with a black cat like paw print all over, and then Garfield, a Velcro Garfield that like secures the front. Oh, wow. and I've kept them. Um, so Herb is going to my little boy Herb, who's only four, but as soon as he's the right size, he's getting put in those bad boys. Lucky Herb. Yeah. So I think it would be really nice to kind of begin. Maybe you could describe this first uh, satin yes. bomber jacket. So this is a pink. Mm, it's not really baby pink, but it's not really hot pink either, is it? It's quite sort of like, sh- oh, what are we going to say? Sort of like a raspberry sorbet or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but it also looks like it's maybe been faded in the sun. Yes, possibly. Um, pink colour bomber, zip up bomber jacket, classic bomber sort of shape. And it is covered in uh, naf-naf, which is the make, uh, naf-naf um, sort of badges or what do we call those? Um, uh, Patches. Patches, patches, yeah. Yeah. Sort of embroidered patches that are um, pink, green, orange, purple, lots of different colours with a few sort of world um, globe embroideries as well. It's pure joy, basically. It's just like joy in a jacket. I was very lucky that my friend Sarah Lawrence, who used to have a label called Girl Gang and also sold vintage, uh, came with a bag full of things when I was doing a pop-up shop a few Christmases ago maybe 2016 or something in the old Shoreditch station in Shoreditch which isn't there anymore and Sarah bought a bag of things and this got brought out to be put on the hanger 
uh, on the rail and I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Intercept. <laughs> that is mine, please. I don't even care how much money you want for it. She gave me a very nice price, I seem to remember, as friends rate. But um, I used the money that I sold. I was selling prints and bits of accessories and things and I just used the money and gave it straight to Sarah. It's kind of the dilemma of these things where you you go to make some money and you end up spending it on someone else's stall. Exactly, it was exactly that. We've all done it and uh, I put it straight on and it hasn't really come off since. Nice. It's probably my most worn piece of clothing and gives me joy every Mm. day and is an amazing conversation starter which is also probably, I'm sure we'll get onto that. Maybe mm. that's why we both like pattern, you know, the the conversations that you that's have really with people point. when you're wearing them. Um, I'm certain I've made lots of friends yes. through kind of having complimented someone on their clothing mm-hmm. or likewise it happened, having happened to me. And then you kind of, it's almost like a peacock signal of like, we're, we've got similar tastes. This is the TV I used to watch when I was a kid. This is what I'm interested in. Let's talk about it. And it brings this really nice kind of uh, kindred spirit vibe, um, which I think is really, really special. Um, And you mentioned that it brings you joy when you wear it. One of the things I'm kind of investigating with this project is is thinking about kind of pattern and colour as a kind of armour. Do you feel strength when you put it on? I think so. I think it's also, it's just so bright Mm. (laughs) and it covers half of my body, you know. It's like, so whatever I'm wearing underneath, it sort of is that, it makes the, I guess it makes the outfit, it makes me feel like myself when I just put that on. So even if I haven't had time to like, put an outfit on that I think is particularly nice or it's clean even you know like I've put my same old dungarees on that I wear every day and yeah to take herb to nursery and then I sort of put the coat on and I think okay you know I'm yeah. like myself with this on it's like an instant sort of um comforter it's a my favorite piece probably um and yeah definitely most worn most treasured and you mentioned um, that you're excited that Herb's going to get your Garfield yes. uh, roller skates. But I was interested also to know about what, how your kind of approach to dressing him is, responding to his his urges towards pattern or not. Yes. Um, Herb, I think, sometimes does end up looking like me when I leave the house. It is accidental. I don't do it on purpose. Sometimes I will look down and be like, oh... We, ha- we are both wearing dungarees and a bomber. And, um, you know, we have now, now my hair's back. Um, we have exactly the same hair now. Mm. So we look sort of like twins from top to bottom um, with our little rucksacks on. Um, but that isn't particularly on purpose. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sort of mini-meing him in, on purpose. But I suppose when you're picking, you naturally do pick things that you like. So they sort of maybe look like things that you have. Um, I um, shop for him in the same way in the sense I buy a lot I don't buy really any new for Herb unless I sort of need something particular then I'll sometimes buy new but I am still on um, eBay all the time mm. so I've got some really nice things for him but I do buy a lot of second hand there's no point he grows out of it so fast totally. he ruins it and the trainers he gets through so quickly by like dragging his foot on his scooter or on his bike or whatever mm. holes in everything so do you ever have a kind of pining for things that he's grown out of that he can't wear anymore that you're I've like kept what do a I... lot okay. and I don't know what I'm doing that for because mm-hmm. um I'm I don't think I can't have another baby so um he w- will be my only child mm. so I don't know um more nephews and nieces I guess I'm hoping for that I can yeah. pass them down to you but I have yeah boxes of things which I probably need to go back into and uh at least it out a little bit and keep the proper things but the really Mm. nice bits but yeah my mum is a really good knitter and has made him 
incredible jumper you know every year of his life and I've of course I'll always keep those and lots of baby things do you um, think that it's sort of I don't know is there something in the keeping of it that you're sort of trying to trying trying to capture something or or yeah, I don't know probably. um it was a very well the last four years have been extremely strange time but Herb's uh sort of baby years were particularly sort of awful mm. um and so maybe, maybe, I, maybe that's why I've put off <laughs> going back into those boxes. Yeah. yeah. To sort of go back through them, I have had a little peek when I've sort of shoved something else in. Mm. But I think mostly it's probably just because I hate waste and I hate. Um, I like you know. I don't think. I don't think when I started shopping secondhand, I was thinking about sustainability then because I don't think we were like twenty years ago. I think I just bought things secondhand for different reasons, not yeah. really because I was trying to save the planet. Um, but yeah, now I definitely keep things thinking I'll give this to someone you know one day. Mm. Are you happy to kind of share with us a bit of your story of what's happened over the past four years? Yeah, and, um... yeah sure. Um, so I was um, seven months pregnant with my first baby and I'd had an actually fine pregnancy apart from <laughs> lots of pain, abdominal pain. Mm. And um, and it got to seven months and I think I had um, got to the point where I thought this is just not... I had been to the doctors many times. I'd been to into the maternity ward. They had... Uh, hooked me up and said your heart rate's fine his heart rate's fine he's a good weight you know you're not dilated you're not giving birth you know come back if they get closer together we kept thinking they were like Braxton Hicks or some mm. sort of contra um, contractions but they said until you go into labor like you're fine so I sort of just put up with it and was a bit of a martyr probably and was my first baby so I didn't know you know how painful is this supposed to be I was like maybe this is just how it feels you hear about women saying how uncomfortable it is to be pregnant you know mm. so I thought okay well this is just how it is and then it got to seven months and there was one night where I just was on the floor and I said to Sam, my boyfriend, like, I'm about to die or he's mm. about to die, like something, we got to go back in. And Sam is a doctor um, and he came with me that night. He said, I'm going to come with you because I'd been multiple times while he'd been at work, but always by myself. Right. And he said, I'm going to come with you. So we went to King's. We lived in South London at the time. And he, they sort of said, well, we don't know what's wrong with you. You know, um, you seem fine. I was sort of sitting in the chair feeling fine they were quite the pains would come and go and he said I want you to do bloods and I want you to scan her and mm. I think because he probably without getting into it too much because he was a male doctor and it was a male doctor that I had seen he said I'll do it because they sort of like you know sort of bro code knew each mm. other Sam had worked at King's before um, so we sort of did it but he said I don't really know why I'm doing these tests but I'll do it right. and then came back 20 minutes later and said yeah there's something your your like bloods have come back you know you've got your infection marker is like through the roof mm. so they still didn't know what was wrong with me but they said I'll admit you but I don't really know why I'm, I'm even admitting you at this point and then quickly it became clear that the pain that I was getting was not related to my pregnancy at all it was in fact a orange sized tumour wow. in my colon so I have bowel cancer um, so then it was sort of a month of hell uh, over Christmas. Herb wasn't supposed to come till February and I went in in December. Um, and um, they said we're going to have to get the baby out right, so that we can get your tumour out. So the baby we're going to get out first. So I was in for a, a few weeks while they were trying to sort me out. I was really ill. And um, then one day they just came to me and said, right, there's a space in the um, unit in the baby unit he's going to have to go into. And mm. we've got a theatre free this afternoon, so you're having your baby this afternoon. Wow. <laughs> and that was on the 23rd of December. And so I said, okay. Uh, and then uh, he, they, so they got him out of me. He was he was fine, mm. um, but he went straight into the NICU ward. 
Um, so was he two months premature? Yeah, so point? yeah, two months premature. Um, so he was small, but um, he was big enough, you know, to sort of survive. And they sort of knew he was big enough to survive, mm. that he would be fine as long as he went straight into the incubator. So he came out of me and they took him away straight away and they took him up to the ward. So I saw him for a few seconds and they took him away. And then um, he was in an incubator and on... Um, he was on life support, but, you know, he was on and he was on a feeding and everything um, for a few days. And then gradually things got taken away and he was sort of doing things by himself. Um, slowly, slowly, a, a tube would come out um, every few days. He'd get a bit better. And I was in a ward two floors down in right. the same hospital, but separated. And I would get wheeled up there in a wheelchair and have to sort of sit by his incubator and sort of try and <laughs> put oh. my finger into the to see him. And you couldn't see him for the first thing. Everyone kept saying to me, what are you going to name him? And I thought, well... I can't even see his face. Right. I don't know. He had you know, things all over his head, things over his eyes because he was under a mm. UV light. So many things, tubes in his mouth with tape everywhere, tape all over his face. You couldn't even see him. So we had a really horrible, horrible Christmas and New Year's. And then finally um, he got well enough to come into my room. And then okay. we had a few more weeks together in the hospital, but at least in the same bedroom. Mm. So, And then we finally got made it out of there about midway through January. Right. So I was in there for... A, um, over a month and um, then I got home for about five days and then had to go back <laughs> to have the tumour out right. so bowel tumour out and then unfortunately it sort of snowballed from there it had spread to my liver mm. and then so I had to have some chemo and then I had to have a liver operation in 2019 as well and then some more chemo and then unfortunately um it came back in my liver again the following year, 2020, another liver op. And then, and then unfortunately, it went to my lungs, 2021. Right. So I've had sort of like four years of about five major like abdominal surgeries mm. where it's just kept, kept coming back um, whilst trying to have a baby yeah. <laughs> and uh, a pandemic, which was gorgeous. <laughs> just, to, just to add yeah, just gorgeous. salt to the wound. Yeah, with a partner who was working on the front line. on the COVID ward. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like as much of a shitstorm as you can really imagine. Um, I can't even begin to imagine. It's yeah. mental even now when I talk to people and tell people what's happening. It still doesn't feel like it's me, to be honest. No. It hasn't. I don't think it will ever really sink in. It was so bad. Mm. Um, Do you find you almost detached yourself from the story in order to be probably, able to tell yeah, it. Probably, yeah, probably somewhat. Um, and also, I just don't... There's patches where I just don't remember. I was so ill mm. and I was on so many drugs and then I was having surgeries and the chemo and having a baby. I was sleep-deprived from the baby and from mm. all the surgeries and the worry and being um, in hospital and not sleeping. So I think I'm probably just... Del I've literally been delirious for four years, pr pr pretty much, as well as being a mother and, you know... Yeah. Um, all um, those things mixed together. And without kind of making it seem too trivial, which I don't, hopefully it isn't, because for, for me and my kind of completely incomparable journey, uh, the one of the tonics that got me through the period, just to kind of explain briefly that the reason we met was because my partner Alex also had bowel cancer and was put in touch with um, with you through a mutual friend, um, and uh, and again 
our kind of journey has been, as always, with cancer, very different. Yes. Um, uh, and my role in it, obviously, is as the support and carer. And we've also got a child who's six. So kind of managing uh, managing that side of things. I suppose I'm the Sam uh, yeah. in the situation. Um, but one of the things that uh, really helped me through it, strangely, um, and part of the reason I wanted to do this project um, was putting on patterned clothes yep. weirdly which kind of on a surface level seems really light and trivial but I would find myself you know we'd be going for an oncology appointment and I would be like I just have to change my top yeah. and I'd be like putting on a really jazzy you know yeah. uh, patterned item to go to this hospital appointment which and for me that was like somehow it was an outward show of strength or a sort of, I don't know, it gave me something yeah. that I still maybe can't quite articulate. And I'd really like to understand if that's something that you've experienced similarly or, I mean, I suppose it's quite different um, as the person actually having the treatment. But I think mine is the complete opposite of that, right. actually. Mm. Um I think I understand why you were doing that. Mm. Or obviously you you tell me why you were doing that, but maybe you were sort of trying to radiate some sort of positivity or yeah. you were trying to, through your clothes, say this is going to be okay and yeah. we're still who we are and we're going to get back there or I don't know, whatever you were mm. you were doing, which I think I might have done if I was in your position. Yeah, I think for me, I was completely stripped of everything that was like Rosie that mm. was like myself mm. I guess I was I guess I'd gone from like being pregnant I hadn't really bought any maternity wear probably because I didn't really like the idea of buying something that I could only wear for nine months and then not being able to wear it again just mm. because like that's I just probably Raceful. yes yeah so yeah so I had all my own clothes so I guess I went from own clothes pregnant and then I just went straight into being so like medicalized mm. so take all your clothes off put this gown on get these surgical socks on take all your jewelry off because you're not allowed jewelry um take obviously i'm not putting i'm so ill i'm not putting makeup on mm. i'm pulling my hair back and putting like a bandana around it because it's dirty because i can't wash because i'm in hospital bed and i'm like dying and i'd had so many surgeries back to back and had all this chemo and i think i just probably had everything just sort of i just became like a patient mm. really and didn't feel like putting on probably bright clothes and sort mm. of gave up and just was putting on, um, you know, post-surgery, couldn't wear anything with a waist because it was all my scars Painful. were still healing and I had stitches and so I couldn't wear, you know, waistlines. And then when I was having chemo, it was the sort of chemo where you're hooked up to it for like three days. So I'd go to hospital for four hours and have the infusion in the chair and then they would give me like a little pump which came in a very unfashionable sort of little bum bag that's sort of like a little bag with a belt that goes around your waist and you have to wear that for three days so you have certain clothes are really hard to wear that with because it was attached mm. to my body so I sort of had like a leash on which I had to feed through tops and out of buttonholes to kind of get it on and it sort, it sort of looked like um what people have when they take their dog for a walk and they put the poo bags in the little thing so I'd always be like people think I'm going to take my dog for a walk but I haven't got a dog I look absolutely mental this, this, then this tube would come out and go into my top and you'd sometimes see people be like what is that tube going into her because I was mm. out like while the chemo was still going into me it's right. mental like met science absolutely mental yeah. that I was like in, in the park walking around like 
have on chemo. Crazy. And then I suppose my hair started to cut. I didn't lose it, but all, all, but it started to come out. It was really thin. So I lost Mm. my, I lost my curls, which I I know both of us like probably identify so much of ourselves through Mm. our hair. So that went. So everything sort of, everything that I associated with myself and being like my personality slowly, slowly sort of just got taken away, I suppose. And I sort of probably, I probably lent into that. In a, in, a, in a way of just being like, um, I don't know. Maybe I didn't want to, I didn't maybe want people to recognise. There was something quite nice about not being recognised. Mm, people wouldn't recognise me because I didn't, of course, of my hair. I think yeah. if you don't see the curly hair, it didn't look like me. And I looked awful, you know, for, mm. I looked ill. And uh, only now I've been off treatment for a year and my hair's come back and I've probably started wearing these clothes again. Mm. Slowly, slowly they're coming out. And the pandemic, mm. you know, we didn't go out, did we? We didn't see anyone. No. I remember my friend Marie coming over and she's sort of the same with figure wise, exactly the same. And it was after the pandemic. And I remember taking her to my wardrobe and being like, do you want any of this? Like you're young and going out and going to parties. And I'm not doing any of that now because I'm a cancer patient who's like just trying to stay alive and I don't go out and I'm a Mm. um, recluse in my house take some of these like do you want to wear it have you got a party to go to this would look nice on you and I was just like forcing yeah just like giving them to her being like just take it take it and I felt sad that it was sitting there not getting worn and just wanted someone to sort of wear it to a party head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. We should talk about another pattern. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe we could talk about the co-ord. Um, Can you describe this? So it's a dark navy. It's a two-piece. It's a pencil, sort of knee-length pencil sort of skirt, which is a, co- I think a sort of, maybe it's not actually, I don't know what fabric that is. And the top is sort of much more sort of viscosy, sort of cheaper, but it's a two-piece co-ord. Dark navy, and it's got florals and sort of what I think looks like almost like little jewellery boxes or... um, Like archaeological artefacts Yeah, sort of, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, Antiques Roadshow. It's giving Antiques Roadshow. (laughs) And something about it gave me like Fabergé egg Mm -hmm. uh, that I liked. Yeah. And this was a time when I was doing um, lots of workshops, talking to lots of big groups of people. So I suppose I was at that time trying to wear things that looked nice from like a a far away. Mm. So you wanted something like either really bright or with a big pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to wear this quite a lot if I was like going to do like a sort of workshop or an evening okay. or a fair, a craft fair or something where you had to sort of stand and um, 
have lots of people looking at you and you what sort of wanted of... a Luke to, yeah. uh, I don't know, look like you were, I guess going back to like the MTV stuff, you sort of like, um, not that I thought I was Madonna. I actually, although the once I did do a few workshops where I got the... The, the, the headpiece, yeah, yeah, nice. and that was. I was like, oh yeah, this is. I was I so happy. You can't not feel like Madonna it was. In that. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I was really upset that I didn't have like the conical bra, the full goatee um, look, because that is. Um, I have a picture of myself dressed up in exactly that look at my eighth eighth birthday that my mum made me. Wow. I need to. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll find it yeah, and show it to you. It's in the inside of my book. I used that picture because I dressed up as Madonna. I think for my eighth birthday. But yeah, I guess I. I think. My all my favorite people were people who wore like outfits, stage outfits, and dressed up for the performance or mm. the occasion or whatever. So even though I'm doing like a craft workshop, I wanted to give give something, give a look, give people something to like to look at and look like I guess a bit of a weirdo or a bit of a something. I guess you know. you're performing. You're yeah, on the stage sure. at that moment. That's yeah, your that's armor as well. Present. I suppose in the same way, yeah. put on a silly outfit or well, it's not silly to me, but yeah. some people probably think it is. Um, flamboyant opulent mm -hmm. always had a sort of something on my head a big mm. sort of headpiece on always full face of makeup always had heels on which is another a, a loss mm. on the uh, cancer journey because I've got very numb feet from the chemo right and find wearing shoes really hard now because I just fall over a lot because I can't feel the floor because I've got these sort of like chemo numb feet still is that so the now capecitabin? Yeah, oxaliplatin oxaliplatin yeah. okay <laughs> um, is the one that gives you numb sort right. of fingers and uh, feet and sometimes it comes back and sometimes it doesn't cold. so yeah you have to be careful with touching cold yeah. things and all that yeah <clears throat> so the thing my fingers pretty much came back but the feet have not okay. so now I just wear these Air Max that I've got on 95s uh, all the time they're my best friend and I wear them all the time which is also not what I was like before mm. I was really liked shoes thinking about the craft workshops that you're talking about can yeah. you tell me what you were making in those and what, um what I suppose it was yeah it was always things to wear mm -hmm. so it was um making things out of very low budget materials like wool and mm -hmm. um plastic bags and glitter I suppose um also childhood um Mum was quite crafty and okay. knitted and sewed and made loads of our outfits. And that was my sort of favourite thing to do as a child was to make stuff um, from like household, you know, things. Mm. So I think that's just as I got older and probably wanted to wear sort of more flamboyant, opulent things, but then couldn't afford them. Mm. Would sort of just make glittery things myself to wear and then ended up make, doing a book um, with those sorts of things in which were all sort of like DIY things that you could make yourself and I called it Dress You Up which is a Madonna yeah. song um, so ah. that's where that, the title came from yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, all loops back to yeah it all loops it is quite MTV it's all, in it the is, 90s yeah it's so I'm very predictable yeah it's all sort of the same <laughs> and are you still making things at the moment Do you um, not so much I so during the sort of all the bad things happening and the pandemic I don't have a studio anymore mm. which has been because I couldn't afford it because I wasn't working anymore. And that has been a real lot, a, a real another loss for me not to have that sort of space. The head and, space that it offers is huge. Yeah, living in a small flat um, with no space to sort of make things. Um, I have struggled to find that space to um, be creative. Mm. I have managed little things. I've done, you know, a Christmas cards every year, yeah. which I can do on the kitchen table. And um, that's fine. I sent and received many of those. Oh, thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you very much. Um, they are, I love doing those. And that's one thing that I have managed to do. I've managed to do it two Christmases in the sort of four and a half years. Whether I'll do it this Christmas, I don't know. It's every, um, my timeline of of my life is every three months at the moment because mm-hmm. that's when I get scanned. Um, they don't like to leave my body longer than that because it really enjoys making cancer cells. Right. And um, they don't, we don't trust it and I definitely don't trust it. So my doctor's, scan me every three months to make mm-hmm. sure and that has been difficult for me to get to get into the groove of that yeah. and also then try and get back to work because you never know I mean obviously none of us ever know what's going to happen but it's hard to sort of plan and book things in and okay. say yes to jobs if you think well in three months time I could be back on chemo or having another surgery so I can't really commit to that mm. so I am in a bit of a weird position at the moment where I would like to um, be more creative again and I do enjoy it when I get to do it, but um, I guess the space is not there, maybe mentally as well and mm. physically at the moment to really get back to work or whether I ever will. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, when you have cancer, it does. Um, it just sort of messes with everything, you know, like every aspect mm. of your life is affected. Mm. And, um, and I guess the kind of fear of recurrence just looming over you at all, all time. times. Yeah. 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 Um but I think with this like with this year off, you know, I think I was preparing to I have been preparing to die um for a long time, which is also impossible to do, mm. by the way. Uh you cannot make your brain take that in as much as you try and you sort of know the facts. It's incredibly hard to sort of come to terms with that in any way. Or I have found it anyway. It just sort of feels unreal. Um, mm. And so now I've been off chemo for a year. It's given me a chance to sort of maybe dream about, you know, living a few more years. Um, my stats were all, all about making it to five years. Mm-hmm. I have very low, um, something like eight to 10% chance of making it to five years with my stage four bowel cancer. So I think I always had that in my head, like, well, I'm going to be dead in five years. I'll get, mm. I might get herb to five and then that'll be it. But f- that's only this Christmas and I might, and I feel like I might make it now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm sort of thinking, oh, okay, maybe yeah. I'm going to get a few more years. And then the clothes are coming back out. The hair's grown back. You know, I feel more like myself. Mm. Um, mm. So I think all these questions that you've been sort of asking me are quite poignant at the moment in the sense yeah. that I feel like this with this year off, my body, the chemo's kind of out of my system now. My body is getting a bit stronger. Um, I look more like myself. Mm. I feel a bit more like myself. I'm wearing the clothes that I haven't worn for years. So yeah, they're coming, it's all kind of slowly coming back and maybe I'm becoming more like you now where I'm putting those things Mm -hmm. on to sort of try and be like more positive, you know, thinking, you know, it might go the other way for me Mm -hmm. or maybe not forever, but I might get longer than I thought I was going to get. So so now I'm like, yeah, doing what you're doing, which is I'll put those clothes on and try and sort of lean that that Mm. way more. Yeah, can you tell me about the shirt that you're wearing today, which is one of the patterns that this we've been looking at? Is also eBay. I did used to just put pattern in mm. a lot into the search. Make sure it was on the sort of vintage, you know, uh, filter or secondhand filter so you weren't getting the new stuff. And that, I think, was one of those that I just sort of saw it and thought, it's really weird. It's sort of like a yeah cotton drill, you called it, which I yeah. think is correct. And blue and white like monoprint and it sort of looks like wood maybe like a wood block I or thought something. it looked like a wood block although it's definitely digitally printed I guess or yeah. some, or screen printed maybe yeah. 
but it's, and it's sort of lots yeah. of little sort of pine trees and like sort of people but you can't really make the people out mm. little sort of on maybe horses or yeah. sort of vehicles horse and carts horse or... and carts sort of I've got no idea where it would be from it looks maybe like it could be sort of South American or something mm. maybe or one of my favourite things is when patterns kind of bump up against each other and I like how on the pocket they've turned the right. pattern yeah. vertically rather than horizontally so it's got this kind of slight jar because it looks like a journey is happening but then it's but then that journey is kind of interrupted it's really nice I really like it but it's comfy and people often say to me I like a shirt when mm. I wear this one mm. which is always nice it's quite a broad appeal that one it's not one that would um sort of I can imagine like a man in his 60s yes. liking it just as much as a yeah. teenager yeah We've got a couple more fabrics to speak about or to, uh, items of clothing. Yes. Um, I'd love to talk about the amazing jeans. Gianni Versace. Are they actually Versace? Yeah, they are. Oh, my God. I didn't realise. I don't think I told you that. No. I actually didn't know about... I mean, obviously, I could guess the Naf Naf brand, but I didn't realise that they were... We are in the presence of Well, funnily jeans. enough, they're from the same source. So those were mm. um, from same friend, Sarah who um, has gen- has genuinely dressed me up my whole life with these gems. Um, they had, they've got a sort of state, like slight sort of scuffy stain on the waistband. And so, and something the, else was... All ro- the best things. Something else, oh, the zip was broken mm-hmm. on the front, on the fly. Um, and she said, oh, you can just, you can have these, have them for your birthday. Uh, just keep them if you can be bothered to fix them. And I was like, I absolutely can't be bothered to fix these. Took them straight to my mum. Obviously, I didn't do it myself. <laughs> very good sewer and she put the new zip in for me and the stain doesn't really bother me and you can put a belt over it so it's fine um they don't fit me anymore oh. i'm gonna get back in those guys uh <laughs> they are yeah they're amazing um they are i don't know you're gonna have to help me with this a description they're sort of a salmony pink with uh lots of yellow and green and they have a very sort of opulent illustrated sort of um I don't know, Baroque? What do we yeah, say? Yeah, I would say Baroque. And then the, there's kind of Grecian or yes. Roman statues and even yeah. some Latin writing, yes. I think. It's all over the place. They are quite mental. And they've got some grapes. So they feel very kind of, as you said, opulent. Yes. Bacchus. Yeah. Sort of, uh, there's, well, Versace. I mean, yeah. Versace is yeah. the way that, is the shorthand <laughs> yeah. for what they look like. Yeah. So now They're we know that Versace. they are Versace. That's yeah. exactly what they look Pencil, like. Pencil, sort of straight leg. Tight, high waist, tight round your bum. Oh, they're um, perfect. All the way down tight, yeah, with tiny little zips at the ankle if you wanted a bit oh. of a ankle loosening. They don't get a lot of wear, unfortunately, at the moment, but hopefully um, one day they will once I fit into them. I feel like now I'm kind of coming out the other end um, of sort of being sad and wearing boring clothes back into my wardrobe that I feel more um, passionate about wearing all your favourite things mm. all the time. Yes. So this idea of keeping things for best or having your nice china, you know, at home, that mm. you your nice plates that you don't like get out. I don't know if anyone does it anymore, but that used to be the thing, didn't it? You had like the nice set that when people yeah. came around for dinner, you'd get and then you'd eat on the boring plates most <laughs> of the time. It's just like insane to me. Yeah. Now, I don't think I'd really thought about it that much before, but I think, and I probably did think, oh, I'll keep that for like, that. I'll keep that for like when I'm going to a party mm. or I'll keep that. No, like what are you... What am I waiting for? Especially me now yeah. with a, a considerably shortened lifespan that I know about. So I've been informed about yeah. this. And what am I going to do with that information? 
and um one of the things is put all your nice clothes on to do sort of everyday things because yeah. saving things is just absolutely pointless I think and I I think I always approached things that way but during covid weirdly I lent into it even more yeah. and I remember Alex coming downstairs and I was kneeling on the kitchen counter putting up a shelf for my cookbooks and he was like why are you dressed as umbrellas of sherbet to put up a shelf and I was like well when else can I wear this dress yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and I think accepting that things are going to get holes in or stains yes. and they but they'll live their life and you'll get to wear them and enjoy them yeah I think is so key yeah. actually and I find it really empowering yeah yeah um, so that would be my message probably mm. based on those Versace's, which I will get back into, and then I will wear them to mm -hmm. the playground or yeah. whatever I'm doing. Excellent. Um, one one of the reasons that I um that I make the pattern portrait drawings that I do and the the artworks is a kind of process of like distilling things or capturing them. And as you said about like growing out of things or. Um, I mean, I've done it with doing kind of portraits of some of my kids' favourite clothes or mm. my favourite clothes of my kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I can like capture them in this moment and it sort of forms a, a portrait of a time. So by making this kind of portrait of you, I'm hoping to kind of catch these things um, and hold them together in one place. Yes, thank you. I'm very happy <laughs> about that, that you're doing that for me. <laughs> Great service. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't spoken yeah. about the striped. That one dress. isn't that. I mean, yeah, he's that's a that's a beyond retro. Mm. Um, I think I just really like the color clash on that, which is sort of a red, a pink, and an orange. Yeah. Um, in stripes, it which... has a sort of seventies ish or late sixties sort of pointy collar to it, and gold buttons all the way down. Quite sort of like a shirt dress, I suppose, like mm. to the knee, but a very heavy, weird fabric which I think pretty much I bought because it looked like the fabric on a deck chair that we used to have oh, when nice. I was growing up. We had two deck chairs in the shed that used to come out in the garden when it was sunny, when it was sort of paddling pool um, time. And one of them was mm. a sort of orangey, pink, red sort of stripe. Um, I think the textiles of your youth mm, yeah. embed themselves in your brain like I still can recall the wallpaper or the curtains in yes. the house we lived in until I was five like yeah. it was so long ago but it's like if I see it now I yeah. know it yes and it's it's amazing yeah. that it kind of casts you right back yeah all of a sudden so you had a lot of embodying we, the deck chair yeah and I'm, I'm embodying the deck chair there and I think yeah probably at that time there was also a lot of like home patterns um we moved into the our family home in sort of 85 that we were in for the whole of our childhood. And so, you know, it was all sort of like habitat wallpaper mm. and lots of amazing patterned wallpaper and fabrics. And um, dad grew up in Iran, so lots of Persian carpets. Mm. And I think all that stuff did probably just go, as well as all the telly and everything we were watching, having a house that had really patterned rugs and those kind of crazy 80s um, habitat sort of wallpapers and fabrics must have gone into our brains definitely somewhat and, definitely. and is the reason we we like are drawn to them now yeah mm. yeah i'd be interested to see what our kids are drawn to when they're grown up i've just got a couple of final questions um about uh if there's a pattern that slipped your grasp a pattern that got away um... or a dream pattern that you covet um i do remember once being in ealing broadway tk max finding a pair of poochy tights Ooh. and 
oh, why didn't I buy those? I think they probably were a bit too expensive, but they were like pastely and oh. swirly and like to- like absolutely fabulous, like completely yes. like, imagine, you know, Adina. Adina. They yeah. were very Adina, yeah. I remember I used to have a complex that I was afraid that I was going to look like Adina from Absolutely Fabulous. Growing up, I was like, oh, God, I think I like, people might think I look like it. And then I was like, fuck it. Has it happened? Yeah, I think it's maybe happened. It has. It's I happened. Think maybe it has, yeah. And there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. No, I think that's <laughs> good. Now, I'm happy with that. And now I'm here for it. Yeah. Adina all the way. Yeah. From here on in. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and which of these patterns would you save from a house fire? What's the, what's the, the iconic one for you? Uh, it probably has to be, oh, I'm sorry to the Versace's, but it's probably going to have to be the Nafla. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's my, that's my guy. It's a close friend. It's my friend. Yeah. yeah. It's my friend, my saviour. It's Well, you can't me. even wear the Versace. No, is that point, true? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's looked after me. It's kept me, it's kept the little sort of nugget of myself um, present, mm. even when I've been wearing completely black underneath and feeling very sad and sorry for myself and smelling of hospitals and all those sorts of things. It's like a little flash of like rosy in colour as well. Rosy yeah. pink that has sort of stayed with me and kept me, sort of reminded me of um who I am, I suppose. That's really nice. Oh, yeah. That's really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rosie, Thank you. for coming and chatting to me. You've been listening to Pattern Portraits with me, Lauren Godfrey. Follow us on Instagram at Pattern Portraits Podcast. The limited edition print accompanying this episode is available to buy now on laurengodfrey.co.uk. Join us next week for another chat about pattern. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.